In those days, there a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. It was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his hometown. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. I love the Christmas season. I absolutely love everything about Christmas. I I especially love the anticipation of Christmas Day, kind of that that buildup that you have where you do all the traditions and you do all the things to celebrate the coming of Christmas. At our family, uh, we have a few different traditions, the the big traditions that we do. Uh, We are one of those people that set up our Christmas tree uh, on November 1st. Our tree goes up. It's my birthday. It's the one thing I want to do for my birthday every year. We set up our Christmas tree and uh, we get it up and going, and our Christmas season is off and running. We still celebrate Thanksgiving. We are very thankful, but we are Christmas people once November 1st hits. And so we spend the whole day uh, decorating the Christmas tree and listening to Christmas music and, and watching Christmas movies, and it's, it's just an awesome day. We also have this tradition where every year uh, on Christmas Eve, the Children's Museum in Indianapolis uh, lets you go in for free. And so every year we go to the Children's Museum, we drive up to Indy on Christmas Eve, we go see Santa Claus, get our pictures taken, all that good stuff. And it's just a great day as a family. Um, we, we do other kind of random, like big traditions. Every year we build gingerbread houses, uh, but we started this thing last year that is going to be a tradition from here on out where instead of eating the gingerbread houses because we're trying to be a little bit more healthy, we still build them with all the candy and stuff. Uh, but we take them out in our yard and pour gunpowder on them and blow them up, which is just awesome. Absolutely incredible. It is quickly becoming my favorite tradition. Um, and so we do all these big traditions. I love the big traditions, but I also love the small things. You know, I love driving around and seeing the Christmas lights, like our, our church is decorated right now. I love listening to Christmas music, like so often, well, so often, it's every day where like, we ask our Google to play uh, Christmas hits. We just love Christmas music. And I love all kinds of Christmas music. I love the new stuff that comes out by the popular artists that's upbeat. But I also love the old, old uh, carols, old Christmas carols. And so I, I can remember as a kid, I was doing this little paper at church, doing this little worksheet, and it was Christmas. So I was super excited about it, even though it was just a small little worksheet, and you had to decide what the carols were based on whatever pictures they were giving you, so that like they put a little scale inside a feeding trough, and it was away in a manger, um, stuff like that. And so, uh, so I, I remember loving doing that page, and I remember uh, doing the one Silent Night, and I've always liked the carol Silent Night. Um, but a couple years back, I was listening to uh, this Christmas album because I like Christmas music. And the, the band did the song Silent Night, but then the musicians, after the song, started talking, kind of like an interlude thing before their next song, and they simply asked this question, which I thought was just brilliant. They said this. They said, was it really a silent night? And I thought, huh, that's interesting. Was it really a silent night? Um, you see, I, I think... For a long time, 
my image of that first Christmas has been uh, a little bit off, if I'm honest with you. Uh, and the last couple years, I've been thinking more and more about this idea of, all right, what was that first Christmas like? Uh, was it really a silent night? And it's really, really brought a new thought process to this whole idea of what Jesus came to do and him coming to this earth because uh, it really wasn't a silent night. And I, I recognize, I, I recognize that song uh, was written with a specific meaning behind it and it has very deep meaning and it's very meaningful. Um, but, but I think for a long time, my thought of what the major scene looked like was taken from the meaning of that song. And it, it kind of pulled the major scene for me personally a little bit out of context um, because silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. The scripture says this. It says that while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And they don't go into a whole lot of detail. They just say, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger. Now, they could have said a whole lot more about laying them in a manger because there was no room for them in the end, in the end. But the author doesn't go in, the author Luke does not go into any details about what it was like to be laid in a manger because the people reading this in that time would have understood, holy cow, they laid a baby in a manger. Like there was no room for them in the inn. And so they laid him in a manger. And in the past, when I thought about this, I've thought, okay, all right, all right. Here's the deal. Jesus is coming into the world. God is God. Okay. And so, yes, there may not be room for them in the inn, but God is going to do or did do what God could do. So when they went into the stable, into the manger, God provided them a place. And, and I always pictured it like this. I always pictured it as uh, a pretty clean area. You know, it had been freshly clean and there, there wasn't a whole lot of of dirt or grime. And when I look at the manger scene, you know, that Mary and Joseph are kneeling and looking at Jesus or Mary is holding Jesus and all the animals are gathered around and they're all quiet and they're all still and they're all silent and all is calm and all is bright. And I think that my thought, now this is just, just me. I think my thought process of what that first Christmas looked like has been a little off. Because I think Luke is making a very clear point with this phrase right here. She laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. He's making a very clear point of the purpose of what Jesus came to do. The closest thing that we have to a stable or a manger at our house is our chicken coop. And a lot of you know we have chickens, 
And if you come over to our house and you're like, hey, I want to go see our, your chickens, we say, great, awesome. Uh, you can go see our chickens. We have a rug right here and we have boots that are boots that stay on that rug by the back door. And when you go out into the chicken yard, you put those boots on. And when you come back inside the house, you take those boots off and you leave them on the chicken rug. Because here's the thing, a chicken yard, a barnyard, a yard with animals is gross. It is. It's just gross. There is poop everywhere, and it's dusty, and it's dirty, and it's grimy, and it's noisy. And if you walked out into our chicken coop in the middle of the night, yes, it may be quieter than during the day, but if those chickens get startled, you better believe they're going to start making some noise. And I've never raised, you guys listen, I've never raised cattle I've never raised sheep. I've never raised uh, any other farm animal. We have a goose. Um, but I assume it's the same, that if they are startled in the night, they are going to make noise. And so think about this for just a moment, all right? Think about this. Mary is giving birth. Now, again, I have always pictured this like God does what God does. God does what God can do. And so Mary gives birth and it's just this really easy process. And Mary's like, oh, look, there's Jesus. I think I'll hold him, right? But giving birth is nothing like that. I remember vividly watching our oldest son be born. And here's the deal. When you picture Jesus or you picture babies, uh, you picture them as those soft, cute, cuddly babies, right? They just have this soft skin. They're adorable. They're, they're just amazing. I remember Kirsten and I talked about this after Brinkley was born. Uh, we were shocked because I'm, I'm just going to be honest. Um, babies don't come out like that. He looked like an alien. It was crazy. Like, like, okay. So, um, so, when they come out, they're, they're covered in this white film that is just like sticky and needs cleaned off of them before they take that shape of the cute, cuddly baby that you see in all of the pictures. And so think about this. Okay, think about this, all right? So Mary is giving birth, okay? And, and, and birth is painful. She's in a yard with animals, and so she's probably screaming a lot. That she's probably in pain, and when the baby comes out, he is crying. He is, it's normal and natural. The babies fill their lungs and they cry. This is not a silent night. This is not a silent process. And then this baby comes out, and yes, I'm sure there was some water there to clean up the baby, but you're giving birth to a baby in a barn where there is poop and poop dust and poop molecules, and there is dirt, and there is mud, and there is... Guys, okay, so I don't know what it's like in the Middle East, but I can tell you what it's like in Indiana uh, in the summer. I assume it's hot year-round in the Middle East. I'm not really sure, uh, but I assume that it is based on their location, you know, via the equator and all that good stuff. But, but here's the deal. In the summer, in our chicken coop, you walk out during the day, you are going to find tons of flies because there's poop. And then that's just what happens in a barnyard. There are flies. You walk out there at night, the flies might be resting on things, but there are still flies. 
And so we have this vision of what Jesus' birth looked like. And I don't know if you guys are anything like me, but you're like, all right, God did what God do. The, get what God can do. The, the stable was clean. You know, it was, it was not a, a normal used stable. And the birth was easy. And Jesus came out clean. And everybody was quiet. There was no pain. There was no screaming. There was no yelling. The baby didn't cry in the middle of the night. Didn't startle the animals. The animals didn't go crazy. There was no poop. There was no dust. There was no... It was just, it was just beautiful. But I'm starting to think that may not be what the first Christmas looked like. Like, like Jesus may have, not may have, he was born. And so he, he came out sticky and there was dust and poop and, and flies and animal feces and, and animals around it. And, and listen, animals are curious creatures, you know? And so when, when a baby is born, you know, they probably came over and, and like, how do you stop an animal from, from licking a baby to try to clean it off? Like, how, how do you, how do you, how, th- this is chaos, pure, utter chaos, there was, there was nothing silent about this night. There was nothing calm about this night. Like, it was just, and, and can you imagine being Mary and Joseph, okay? You are nervous because you are giving birth to the Son of God. And then this census comes up. And so instead of having your midwife be able to come over to your home where you are prepared and you can give birth in your home where you're prepared, uh, you have to now travel to... Bethlehem. And so you're like, okay, let's make the best of this situation. We'll travel. We'll stay in an inn. So they travel, but there's no room for you in the inn. Can you imagine the frustration? And then the frustration of being like, oh no, like, oh no, she is going to give birth. Oh no, she's going to give birth here. What the heck? How could this be happening? Like, God, are you in control at all? And, and so now when I sing this, this song, Silent Night, Holy Night, I'm not going to sing for you because I can't sing. All is calm, all is bright. I'm like, hmm, that may, not, that may not have been what it was like at all. And so... When I read the verse, while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Like the the sheer terror and chaos that must have been flowing through Joseph and Mary. The time came for her to give birth now in a manger, in a stable. Like, and, and listen, animals feed off your nervousness and your emotions. They do. If you are nervous, they are going to be nervous and they're going to react to that. And so there's just this tension-filled area in this stable when the time came for her to give birth and she gave birth to her firstborn son. And someday, some of you will understand the phrase, she gave birth. And when you understand what that phrase fully entails... I want you to come back and read this verse years from now. She gave birth to her firstborn son and she wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. 
And so I asked the question, why? Why? And, and this was in that video that we watched before this, the lesson, and I, and I love that they asked this question as well. Why in the world would God have his birth born this way? Why would he come like this? You see, because he's, he's the king of the universe. He, he could have easily come, and, and God can do what God could do. God could have said, there's room in the inn. God could have said, look, there's a private room for you to give birth to your baby in. It's clean. It's well prepared. Look at that. There's a midwife right there. She's ready to help you give birth. You've got everything you need. God could have done what God could do. God could have done what God could do. And God could have said, hey, look, that stable, it's, it's clean. It's not been used. You know, the, the animals, they're just, uh, you know, they've just been harvested off and it's been empty for a month or two. God could have done what God could do, but he chose to come in this way. Why would he do that? And I love the answer that, that they gave in that video. They said, God came in a messy way because he wanted to make a point to save messy people. Listen, God could have done what God could have done. He could have made everything clean. But it would have defeated the purpose of what his entire message was in coming to this earth. You see, because God wanted to show from the very beginning that he came to save messy people. I don't know about you guys, but I have made some messes in my life. I've made physical messes. I've made emotional messes. I've made decisions that I wish I could take back. And oftentimes what happens is, and these are the really, really, really special people in your life. When you meet a person that's willing to do this, you hold on to that person because, because oftentimes what happens is there's only one or two people that are willing to go, all right, I see you in that mess. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to step into your mess and help you walk through it. I'm going to step into the mess with you. I'm I'm going to, parents step into physical messes with their kids and they jump in and they help clean it. Or I'm going to step into this emotional mess that you have created for yourself. A a friend, a parent, a trusted adult that says, I'm going to step into this mess with you. And I'm going to help you walk out of this mess that you have created. And that's the exact message that God was sending. God said, listen, I don't want to come in a clean way. Because I didn't come to save clean people. I don't want to come in a, in a, in a way where I'm better than, than you are. No, I'm, I'm going to come over here and I'm going to step into your mess with you. And I'm going to grab your hand and I'm going to hold it tight. And we are going to walk together because I came to have a relationship with you. And I came to help you and walk with you as we walk together out of this mess called life. 
And guys, there, there have been very few people in my life that are willing to step into my messes and walk out with me. And I don't know if you have people in your life that have been willing to step into your messes and walk out with you, but, it, but I want to tell you this. When we read the story of Jesus' birth, it is a very clear picture that there is a God that created everything that is willing to step into your mess and take your hand lovingly and walk with you. When I, when I look at the manger scene, for the longest time I looked at it, and it was just this pristine, clean, all is calm, all is bright manger scene. And, and the last couple of years, I've, I've really started to think the manger scene was never like that. The manger scene was messy. It was dirty. It had poop and, and flies, and there was chaos. And it, and it sends this clear message that God doesn't just want us when our lives are clean and bright and healthy and everything is going good. God wants to step into our lives in the midst of our darkness and our chaos and our messes when we don't have anything figured out and we're wondering why things are the way that they are, God wants to step into our lives and say, all right, let's go together. And the very clear message of this Christmas story is that God wants to step into our lives when we are a mess. And he wants to walk with us. And so what do we do with this? Um, it's, it's really cool to, to recognize that things may have been a little bit different than what we have thought about. But how, how do we really take this and how do we uh, apply it to our lives? How do we allow it to, to change us and allow us to take a step in faith, and here's what it comes down to. What it comes down to is what you speak to yourself, what you believe about yourself. You see, we live in a culture, especially here in America, where we say, I am valuable if I have it all together. I am valuable, I am whole, I am, I am wanted, and I am accepted if my life is clean, if there's no chaos, if there's no darkness, if everything is good. But the message of Christmas, the message that, that Luke sends when he says, and he was born in a manger, she laid him in a manger, is that your life has value even in your darkest times. Your life has value even in your messiest moments. Your life has value even in the midst of whatever chaos you may be facing. There is a God of the universe that says, listen, you have it together, awesome. 
You don't have it together? Awesome. Guess what? I think you're awesome and valuable and whole and worthy of me coming to this earth to save you. And so what it comes down to is when we recognize Christmas may have looked a little bit different than we ever anticipated, is we say, maybe that means that the value that I put on myself is different than the way that I have been placing value on myself. And we've got to remind ourselves that we're valuable, that there is a God that says, you were worth me coming to this earth. You were worth me coming in a chaotic way that was messy and dirty and, and, and just crazy. You were worth that. And he says, I would do it all over again, all over again for you. And so, so here's, here's the practical challenge. I think a lot of times we struggle as humans and as Americans continuing to put value into our lives. And I know you guys hear me talk a lot about how valuable you are, but it's so vital that you understand it, that God says you're valuable. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. So a lot of times we just need reminders, reminders of how incredibly valuable we are. And so this week, the practical challenge is simply this. There are manger scenes everywhere. There are manger scenes at houses. There are manger scenes uh, in stores. There are manger scenes everywhere you look. There, there are manger scenes. And so what I want you to do this week is uh, either go to a manger scene that is already set up, or if you're decorating your house, set up a manger scene. And I want you to just observe it. I want you to just look at it. And I want you to think about that first Christmas. And yes, the manger scene is going to look something like this, where Joseph is sitting like this, and he is just perfect. And I want you to vision what that first Christmas must have really been like. And then I want you to ask yourself this question. How valuable am I? How valuable am I that God that created the stars in the sky and God that created the things that we look at as mankind and go, holy cow, that he said, you're worth me coming like this. Man, I must be so valuable. And I want you to look at yourself and I want you to say that to yourself. Man, I must be so valuable that Jesus would come for me. This week, take a look at a manger scene and just really speak some value into your own life. Let me pray. God, thank you so much for this time, for this day. Thank you for coming in a way that clearly communicated that you are a God that is willing to step into whatever messes we may find ourselves in so that we can have a relationship and be with you. And God, I pray that the people in this room would know that, would feel that, 
and would live that. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.